We love bringing you new content and episodes every week, but we realize that we are diving deep each week into different topics of intuitive eating, and we wanted to give you a place to go to learn about it as a whole. So we have a free intuitive eating mini course designed to help you. Yes, you right now. It's a quick overview of why diets don't work and how intuitive eating can fit into your life. We walk you through the 10 principles of intuitive eating and it's perfect for beginners or those who are struggling to tie it all together. Click the link in our show notes below to get this killer mini course delivered right to your inbox. Okay. Now back to the show. Hey, 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 diet riders. Welcome back to the diet ride podcast. I'm Alyssa Miller and I'm Brooke Miller and we're both dietitians, both moms, both from the Midwest, both live in Denver and still quarantine and still over <laughs> zoom yeah <laughs> we used to do the podcast in person it was I know. wonderful and now it's a good it's time just it's not happening <laughs> it's not quite the same but you know i no. stink a little bit today because i was doing hopscotch with my son same. all morning so you not better be hopscotch. lucky you're far away <laughs> not the hopscotch you weren't doing hopscotch by yourself that's no, so weird i went for a really long walk this morning and i'm sweaty it's, it's like hot. in the 80s yeah. it's so hot here you guys but it's like beautiful hot because it's like looks like fall outside but it feels like summer so mm-hmm. I'll take it I'll take it for as long as I can um yes. you guys we're so excited for today's episode we've got Alicia on and we are pumped to introduce you to her and talk a little bit about her story and her background she's also a dietitian I'll let her introduce herself um but we're just excited to talk a little bit about the whole like how diet culture affects pregnancy and postpartum time period um so I'm going to shoot it over to Alicia can you introduce yourself to our listeners let them know who you are what you do and how you got to where you are today Oh my gosh. Thank you both, Brooke and Alyssa. And first, before I introduce myself, how you described like the fall leaves and the summer feeling, you know, the summer heat, like, oh, that is my perfect day right there. Like 60 degree fall, uh, pumpkin spice latte. I want all of the things. And also I want it to still be warm. Yes. (laughs) Hey, move to Denver. It's like so warm here, but it feels like fall. Yeah. I'm in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's still cold. It's cold already. We hit like that cold spike. It's only going down from here in terms of temperature. That is (laughs) why I left Wisconsin. (laughs) That is why I don't live in Wisconsin anymore. (laughs) People here are saying like, oh, snow can come any day now. And I'm like, don't even say the S word. Don't even say the S word. (laughs) We cannot. We can't. Oh, yes. I'm I'm just loving that. But Alicia, how about those Packers? Okay. All right. Let's They're move on. Get out of here. They're going to be four and zero. Oh. Just raise the roof, Brooke. Yes. Raise the roof. Go, Pat. Go. I know Alyssa is a Bears fan. So, Alicia, go ahead and introduce <laughs> yourself. And just not talk about the Packers anymore. Oh my gosh. A conversation for another day. Yes. Yes, I like have to be a sports fan living here. Right. Of course. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Hey everyone. I am Alicia Brown. I'm so honored to be here with Brooke and Alyssa today. These women are just wonderful. I'm so honored to be here with them. Um, Just to share a little bit about myself and what I do. Yes. I'm a registered dietitian. Yes. I live in Wisconsin. I offer compassionate care 
for chronic dieters, women who feel like they have dieted, dieted most of their lives and are left feeling very confused about nutrition and very uncomfortable in their bodies. I help them lean into their bodies and learn how to trust their bodies to learn how to navigate food again while trusting in their bodies and also uh, learning how to make uh, or to have their bodies feel like they can be a home again for them to feel like they can trust in their bodies to guide their decisions, not only with food, but also in life. Um, I believe we can live bigger, bolder and brighter lives after we can sift through all of our food and body stuff, our worries, anxieties, frustrations about food, if we can sift through all of those and reconnect to what Brooke and Alyssa tell you all about all the time as your intuitive eater, when we can reconnect with our intuitive eater after sifting through all of the food and body stuff, that's where I feel like we can live more authentic, more purposeful lives. Um, And so that's a little bit about what I do. Um, I'm also the host of The Kitchen Table, which Brooke and Alyssa will be on my podcast this Thursday talking about weight stigma. I'm so excited about that. Um, And I'm also on Instagram at aliciabrown.rdn. I was going to say, if you guys can't tell by how eloquent she is and how much, how just like beautifully you just introduce yourself, she clearly has a podcast. <laughs> I feel like you can totally tell now everyone, every guest we've had on has done such an incredible job, but you can tell the ones that have a podcast that like get on here and they can just like eloquently say all the things. And I feel like even Brooke and I still stumble. So that was beautiful. We Thank do. you for the little introduction. Thank you for You're being perfect here. as you are. I just oh started my, my podcast. It's a baby. <laughs> oh, it's so fun though. Thank I mean, you. we've loved having a podcast. We're so excited to listen to yours. So again, that's the kitchen table with Alicia Brown. Definitely go check it out. We will link it down below as well. Um, But similar kind of topics. And yes, we got to be a guest on her podcast, which was amazing. We talked all about weight stigma and how that affects moms and um, I mean, how it affects everything. But we also specifically talked about how it affects moms. So this is kind of part two in that series. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I'm going to link it down below as well in the show notes. So you can go back and listen to it. Kind of part one. And we're going to kind of pick up where we left off and kind of talk, Alicia, a little bit about your story and how you feel like the weight stigma um, conversation needs to happen around pregnancy and postpartum time. So you have a little one at home. So we're Mm -hmm. all moms here, all from the Midwest. We don't all live in Denver yet, but (laughs) maybe we'll get her out here one day. Um, But yeah, Alicia, if you can share a little bit about your journey and kind of what that looked like for you and how you navigated that, um, we sure would appreciate it. Oh my gosh. Yes. I have had to sift through my own food and body stuff so many times in my own life. And that's what I think gives me some like merit and some grit when I talk about like really rediscovering what an intuitive eater is, is because gosh, I, when I thought that I had it all figured out, I didn't again, you know? (laughs) Um, So kind of just like to go back in my life, I really struggled with disordered eating in college. You know, that that tough transition, you know, from like high school to college when you're on your own for the first time. Right before college, I got diagnosed with celiac disease. And so if for anybody who doesn't know what celiac disease is, oh, do you, do you, Brooke, you have celiac disease? How do we not know this? Yes, that's why I became a dietitian. I like, switched from UW Eau Claire to UW Stout because I got diagnosed with celiac disease. You guys don't live in Wisconsin. Clearly this is the underlying issue. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love this. And honestly, Eau Claire and Stout, we have to talk about your journey around there a little bit because I I love those two campuses for sure. Excellent. Where did you go? (laughs) Oh, well, I graduated from UWGB. I still teach one class there actually right now. Yeah. Nice. Okay. We're like friends with Stout. No, Claire, we're like, it's all like one. Yes. yes. 
I love oh, it. that's hilarious. Okay. So, so, so as you know, celiac. yeah. So like the celiac disease, this is a doozy of a diagnosis mm-hmm. because it requires intense restriction from any gluten containing foods. So yeah. what I found, I found that so, I found, I found it so difficult to make that transition from high school to college and then have to, on top of that, navigate this new gluten-free lifestyle. As you know, Brooke, it's more than just cutting out gluten for your diet. It's kind mm-hmm. of like you're, you're on, a, you're on a hyper alert for any gluten containing anything out there. And it's hard to navigate. It's hard to navigate the cafeteria. It's hard to cook foods for yourself. And, you know, actually what happened was I wasn't allowed to eat in the cafeteria with the other kids just because of gluten cross-contamination. And so I ate meals by myself. Um, I had a shop and cook for myself while I was on campus. Nobody else had to do any of those things. And so I found it to be a really isolating eating experience. And I really held on to that like need to control my food experience. And control is a slippery slope because I controlled more and more and more. And all of a sudden, now I was, you know, experimenting with like a gluten-free and vegan lifestyle. And I was cutting other things out of my diet. This cutting out mm-hmm. kind of spiraled out of control and real body stuff started to come out through this as well. I dropped significant weight, scary weight in college. I was praised for dropping weight. So that is like the first thing I have to interject to this space is like, I was really struggling with food, but I was praised as so many others, you know, that lose weight. We receive such positive gratification from others because of that weight Mm -hmm. loss when really it was a deep struggle that I was really working through during that time. And I found myself sophomore year, of college, my parents came and got me. My roommate said, hey, Alicia's too sick to be here. She's got to be done. My parents came, they picked me up and they said, look, we got to go right to a, you know, eating disorder treatment facility where I worked through my stuff for, for a month or two months where I, um, made it through that and worked through my stuff and decided I still wanted to become a registered dietitian, knowing that there's still so much more to explore in this landscape. There's so much positive things that can come out with having a good relationship with food. Um, But I knew that I had to do it differently than I did then when I first started Mm -hmm. out my nutrition career. And so now I'm coming to you here, having sifted through a lot of that disordered eating stuff and finding myself in a much better place with food. But now having this like resurgence of body stuff happened as I explored, uh, you know, differing body changes during pregnancy. And so Mm -hmm. I felt like that was like the first wave of my life was kind of like enduring food and body stuff in college and now really having to navigate body stuff during pregnancy. And now I'm coming to you almost five months afterwards. And Mm -hmm. I tell you what, first thing I have to say is doing the food and body stuff, what I call food and body stuff, is just the anxieties and frustrations that we have regarding food in our bodies. Doing that work is so hard and it mm-hmm. is so worth it every time because we come out stronger and more connected to our bodies and we have better relationships with food. We're able to share that light with others. And so I now know that there's going to be other food and body stuff that I'm going to have to conquer in my life. There's things like menopause that I have to look forward to and changes (laughs) and aging and changing of my body. And there will always be opportunities. There's no like destination in this work. It is such a journey. And so, so happy to talk on whatever you'd like to talk about my stuff that I faced in college or the stuff that I faced in motherhood. (laughs) We can lay anything out there uh, and hopefully this uh, relates to anybody listening and, and their stuff that they're kind of wrestling with through right now too, because I think that we can help heal each other through our own experiences and 
sharing them. So I think it's important to talk about and discuss, and especially the stigma associated with each phase that we go through. Absolutely. Alicia, first of all, I just want to commend you so much and just like sit with you and validate like your experience of having to go and get help and how just amazing it is to share that with people because there are people listening right now, not sure if they need to go and get help one-on-one or maybe they need to go to an eating disorder clinic or something along those lines. And I just think that's really powerful to share. That's part Mm. of your journey and experience Mm -hmm. um, that people need to hear that it's okay. And there should be no stigma around getting help. If you're considering it, the answer is yes. Right. If you're wondering if like, maybe this has gotten to the point that I might need help. The answer is yes. So I just, I just so appreciate you sharing that. And yes, we are so open and honest here on the podcast because it is really powerful to share your experiences. And Brooke and I talk about this all the time that it takes so much time and it is a continual journey. There is no destination. And we even look back to when we started the podcast nearly two years ago and how much we've grown inside the podcast, which is why we created a membership because it really, the growth is exponential when you're around people that are growing towards the same things. Mm. Um, And I just wanted to touch back on something you said kind of here at the beginning was that you had it figured out and then you had to go through it again and again and again. And this is a common theme that we talk about here on the podcast as well, that um, I, I like to just kind of let everyone know ahead of time, like, Hey, this isn't, this isn't a 30 day fix. This isn't, you're just going to figure this out in three days and be fine. It's not a three day juice cleanse or whatever. Right. Like this is forever. And the life changes that happen really bring up a new layer of, like you say, food and body stuff, which I love. Um, So yeah, I would love to dig in deeper. Like when you found out you were pregnant, um, what kind of stuff came up for you and how did you go about handling it? Um, Did you handle it right away and see it and really identify it? Or did you kind of slip into some old behaviors and go, whoa, 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 where am I at? You know, and kind of identify it that way. Yeah. Um, first I have to just backtrack and say like this isn't anything that I've wanted you know or thought that I would share ever you know I think that there is a stigma when I first became an RD I don't want to share any of this stuff Brooke and Alyssa I was like let's sweep that all under the rug like let's have nobody see this like shadowy bits of myself because this is like icky this is like kind of gross ugly stuff I don't want anyone to see Um, but I think it is so important the more we talk about it the more we relieve that stigma the more that that stigma kind of dissipates and we can just normalize getting help such an important message Absolutely. Um, okay. And getting into like uh, early pregnancy stuff, the, the symptoms that I experienced early in pregnancy were immense fatigue mm. and a really hard time detecting hunger and fullness, mm. really hard time because I was tired a lot of the time. Like I needed like pliers to keep my eyes open. <laughs> and this is before my body really even seemed to change. I knew that I was pregnant, but the rest of the world didn't know I was pregnant yet. I waited until about 14 weeks before sharing the news with anybody except close family. And so I was like just battling this immense fatigue. I had some nausea, um, but I really had a hard time just like knowing when I was hungry or when I was full battling, you know, some kind of just like not wanting to even look at food, but knowing that I needed to nourish myself mm-hmm. more than ever. I, mm-hmm. I really felt like now it was the time I needed to lean into my body and to really honor my body, but it got really murky to navigate how to do that. Um, yes. And so at first, when I first discovered that I was pregnant, I was shocked. My husband and I, we were shocked. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were ready for it, <laughs> right? but we weren't actively trying. And um, I thought that that's how it happened is like you actively try and then 
you have a sure. better chance of conceiving. Oh gosh, we're going to have a whole other like, conversation that is how a whole we've all been misled on how we've pregnancy works. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Every woman who has a child, the conversation is always like, well, I thought it worked like this and I was wrong. Whether it was you were shocked and surprised or you have been trying for a while and you're like, I thought this is how it works. X equals Z and this mm-hmm. is what happens. So anyways, that's another conversation. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> you know what? Another conversation is I took the president the pregnancy test within a Starbucks because I wanted to get the nitro cold brew and I had this yeah. feeling that I might be pregnant that's amazing <laughs> so I thought you know what this isn't true but if it's positive I won't get the nitro cold brew and then if it's negative I can get the nitro cold brew it's just like this whole story that was just like crazy that's and I never thought that I was hilarious. pregnant but I had like this like feeling again like listening to mm-hmm. the body right yes. like that is like, the intuitive thing is like these motherly feelings that we get that started way in the beginning. So as much as I laugh about that, it was funny that I kind of had that feeling that kind yeah. of like, mm, probably should check. Oh, I think absolutely. that's what intuitive, the word of it means. Yeah. Um, and so, yes. So, so when I started really recognizing that my body was changing, you know, kind of nearing end of the first trimester, beginning of the second trimester, this was okay when my clothes continued to fit. This got difficult when my clothes started not yeah. fitting as well. Mm-hmm. I had some money stuff actually come up of like, ooh, do I want to spend money on clothes that are temporary? Is my body's going to continue to change? Mm, I kind of like was in fear, like money stuff came up, fear come up, came up too as I was thinking about like, how much does my body change? Uh, what is going to grow at what different times? Do you know how Oh, the wide the the wide array of directions the body can take during pregnancy. Totally. I mean, it's like, are the breasts going to grow first? Is the belly going to grow first? Your feet. Well, my feet grew. It's fine. My I'm feet. Fine. I'm red. <laughs> yeah. It's just so much unknown, right? Of totally. like where we're going to grow. Of course, our abdomen, but like anywhere mm-hmm. else in the body. So there's so much unknown, and I felt very out of control of what was going mm-hmm. to change. I got to a place of near body acceptance, I would say, like before pregnancy, because I think that that was attached to having my body not change a lot before pregnancy. Mm, it stayed yeah. the same. My clothes stayed the same. Mm-hmm, I, totally. there was some like my, I, I kind of hit that like set point weight, you know, like that set yeah. point weight theory of just like saying, yeah. okay, when you're an intuitive eater for a certain amount of time, your body stays around a certain range. And maybe that's not, you know, diet culture's perception of where they think like the ideal body should be. Yeah. And of course I was not there. I wasn't like the the diet culture ideal of thin, but at least I was, it was constant. Mm-hmm. Having a changing body is a different experience than having a stagnant body, even, you know, if, if that carries challenges with it too. I really felt like that changing body was a real challenge. Constantly having clothes fit differently, waking up and literally being larger, especially nearing the third trimester now where it was like so is significant the change so quickly. I felt like I was sure. always reacting to my changing body than like being able to settle into a changing body. And so mm-hmm. it all came about so fast. It was like the fastest and also slowest nine months mm-hmm. of my life. This is my first child. So I mean, like not knowing what to expect, having so many changes happen all at once. It was a lot. And it really made it clear the body stuff that I still needed to face. Mm-hmm. And what really helped me during that time was focusing on the growth and development of the baby. Yeah. When I made it not about me, I came to a place of acceptance really 
really quickly and in a way that I never thought was possible. Um, because when I was really suffering, as I was talking about, you know, in my prior um, disordered journey in college, that was me doing this to myself. And that was something that I had to like come to terms with my, you know, shadowy disordered bit of myself and also the empowered bit of myself kind of like coming together to like heal through that experience. But now in order to heal from this experience, I needed to connect with what was changing my body because this wasn't my doing. (laughs) This wasn't me anymore. And so having that connection with the baby through an app, I use like that bump app, you probably know that like Uh tells me what's happening. There was even like a picture of the baby. I'm like, okay, like this is what it looks like, right? Because when when this is just happening to us, of course, we're reactive. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we're thinking that it's happening for us and for the growth and development of the baby, that really got me back to like this grounded place of like, this is okay. This is for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really powerful for me during that time. Can any of you attest to that part um, or to that in in your own experience with a changing body during pregnancy? (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, I think like you said, getting body acceptance and like body neutrality before you get pregnant is key. And I think we both had that. And so going into pregnancy, like I didn't have the stress and anxiety about my growing belly because I, I knew like, Oh, I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to grow. Like my belly's going to grow. And I had that expectation. And like you said, I was so focused on my son, like surviving mm. because I was told most of the pregnancy, like he wasn't going to live and he yeah. wasn't growing. Mm. And I had to stop working out and I had to gain weight. And like, I was literally getting told I had to gain more weight. And, um, there's like a lot of pressure on me to not exercise and gain weight. And so I do think it was just like a very not normal situation for my pregnancy. And so, Mm -hmm. but I do feel like even postpartum, normally I think I would have struggled more with the body image postpartum, Mm -hmm. but we were so busy with open heart surgery and all these appointments and specialists that like, I felt like I didn't even have enough time to eat. I was chronically stressed and anxious. Like I was dealing with mental health issues. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like I didn't even have space to focus on my body because it was like, I have so much anxiety over what's going on outside of me that like, I can't even focus on that. Now, if I had a healthy pregnancy and, um, just like everything was going as it should, I think I would have had more anxiety postpartum with like, have I lost a baby weight yet? Um, like, weighing myself constantly. And that is one thing, like I told myself, I'm not going to weigh myself. Like when I'm done having, when I have this baby, like I did have to weigh myself during pregnancy. I had to gain X amount of Mm -hmm. weight. Like I really, really had to make sure I was gaining. And so so difficult. Yeah. I was tracking during, during pregnancy and normally I wouldn't, Mm -hmm. but afterwards I was like, I'm putting the scale away. I'm not Mm -hmm. getting on it. Like Mm -hmm. I went on it on my six week postpartum. I didn't look at it. I was like, I, I don't need to see this number because yeah. at the end of the day, like I have maternity pants, I can still wear them. I can wear comfy pants if I want. I can wear yoga pants if I want. Like there is no, I just took that pressure off of me. And I think mm. it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard. And I think some of us moms deal with postpartum anxiety or depression. And when you have that on top of it, I think it can really make triggering comments and triggering thoughts like that much worse. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you was, did you feel like you had a lot of 
triggering comments during pregnancy or after like comments like, Oh, wow, you're this big. I thought you were only this far along or, Oh, wow, you really need to gain some weight. Or like when you had the baby, did you get comments like, Oh my God, you look so good. What's your secret? Like, I would love to hear just both of your perspectives of like, what kind of comments did you guys get during pregnancy and after about your body? And did that trigger you in some sort of way? Can somebody please write a book on like pregnancy etiquette? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one page. Don't comment. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> wear it on your head. Yeah. Yes. One page. I'm wearing just... a shirt that says, ask me about my pregnancy. Please don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're right. Enough said actually, yes. right? It's like, yes. please don't comment on my body. Um, and the the comments actually during my pregnancy that I felt were the most harmful, um, of course, had to do with size. You know, you look so small or you look so large. But mm-hmm. interesting how the people that said, oh, you're, you're looking so great. You're not even that big. Yeah. That was a phrase that really stuck with me totally. because there's fat phobia in there. Yeah. And also there's like this facade that thinner is better. I, yeah. I, there's even pregnant. Yes. Even when pregnant, yes. like yes. that could have serious implications, Brooke, you know, like as you're saying, like you were so encouraged to gain weight, mm-hmm. being smaller during pregnancy should not be praised. Right. Right. This yeah. is, this, this should not, size is so variable. And I, I felt quite large at, at many different times as I was like battling some of this stuff. And it's just like the reality when you're like in bed, like trying to sleep and it's so uncomfortable. You, yes. you do really feel quite large during that last trimester for sure of pregnancy where Absolutely. it's like, you know, I was trying to like reach for my husband in the bed and I can't even find him. It's this like thing between us, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <Yep. laughs> you know, so like there are times where you don't want to be told that you're either big or small, but interesting how even sometimes, you know, those those comments hit me such in a weird way of like, oh, you're not even that big. I just remember mm-hmm. hearing that and feeling like, like that was just like a prick into my arm of like somebody is trying to give me a compliment and I am so not receiving it. Like not even right. receiving a bit of it. And even if they have good intentions, I'm not receiving even the good intention part. I like, right. I, I, I had a hard time even just processing that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still sticks with me today. Nearing the end of my pregnancy, um, comments like, wow, like you're due any day now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those were very irritating because I yes. was very much ready to be done with pregnancy as I bet you both might feel the same way Absolutely. too, like nearing yep. the end. Um, I don't want anybody to like anticipate the due date. I don't want to feel like, you know, I'm- You're on a timetable at all. I'm on a timetable, right? Yeah. I'm just trying to get day by day. Yeah. And, um, you know, having it seem like to me, like my body was a representation of when I'm supposed to be done with this thing just didn't feel like that felt right. Um, and so those, those kind of comments, especially um, the ones, you know, saying that, you know, not even looking that big. And then also like you're due any day. Ugh, those are two that really stuck with me. And now kind of coming to the other side, there are, I felt there are so many more comments after pregnancy than before pregnancy. I can pinpoint Mm -hmm. those two as being things that really irked me during pregnancy. After pregnancy, almost, I mean, like, I would say like 90% of people in my sphere want to comment on my body after that baby is born. 
Mm-hmm. Why is yeah. it everybody? Like during, there might be like an expectation during pregnancy that my body's going to change. But then afterwards, there might be just like this unknown of like, what is Alicia's body going to be like now? I actually wrote a post on my Instagram about this. Like, will you accept my postpartum body just mm-hmm. as it is? Whatever yeah. it is, because I didn't also know what it was going to be like, right? You don't yeah, know. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, <laughs> nobody knows. I even tried like searching it on the internet. Like, what can I expect? Because I wanted to buy like underwear that fit, and I didn't know mm-hmm. what size. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm alone in that. I just didn't know. Nope. You know? Yeah. Um, You're not alone in that at all. I bought a few different <laughs> sizes from Amazon because I had no idea. And this was my second pregnancy, and I had no idea. You know, it changes every pregnancy. Yeah. So different. You know, I loved um, your perspective that you said um, that this is happening for us, not to us. And mm. I think that's such a great perspective to keep when some of us might be struggling through some body image issues while we're getting pregnant and while we're going through the pregnancy and postpartum and what our bodies are able to do rather than what they're not. And I think um, that's such a very powerful mind like mind shift of how we're viewing um, these changes in our life. And maybe it's pregnancy, maybe it's postpartum, maybe it's menopause, maybe it's, you know, anything, getting married, going under stress, getting a new job, losing your job, whatever this might look like for of you. Course. Um, it's just such a powerful way of like putting it in the positive and putting it in a, in a more realistic um, way. But, you know, what I found really interesting during pregnancy was the comments that I would get totally contradictory, right? So I would get people saying, oh, you're carrying high. And then the next day they'd be like, oh, you're, someone else would say, oh, you're carrying low. Or one person would say, wow, you're really big. Are you sure there's not twins in there? And someone else would be like, oh, you're quite small still. It's like, it's amazing. It's, and I think that's just really um, eye-opening to the fact that it's all diet culture perspective. And we all have these boundaries in our head of what's too big and what's too small and what's healthy and what's not, what's unhealthy. It's not these, um, what, how do I explain this? These ideas are not finite between yes. people. We can't even get people to agree on what's healthy and unhealthy looking. Everyone has a different idea. So then they project that onto you and then you're getting mixed messages. Well, yesterday, my friend Sally told me I was really big. So I mm-hmm. now feel bad because I'm too big and she thinks I'm too big. Well, now tomorrow, my mom thinks I'm too small and now I feel bad because I'm too small. It's constant. It's from both sides all the time, very frequently. That's something that I experienced. And so it was just really eye-opening to me that everyone has their different idea of what the sizes should be and it's yeah. all predicated on absolutely nothing. It's just your experience and what you think people should look like during these times. And this is why, again, you just shouldn't be commenting on it. So a great thing to say is how are you feeling, right? We mm-hmm. all want to be seen. We want to be What heard. can I do for you? What can I do for you? Absolutely. No do matter what. some food? Can I yes. bring you some food? <laughs> yes. I would love to cook for you. Can what I are you feeling Can I hold the baby like? so you can nap? Oh, that's so wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. But I just thought it was really eye-opening. We actually had an experience inside of our membership that was kind of similar um, that I always like to go back because it was just a really eye-opening experience even for me of one of our members was talking about how she used to restrict all these foods and including granola. She put granola on there and said, oh, these unhealthy foods like granola. And it was so funny because in my head, granola was a health food and I never liked to eat it because I was like, oh, it's a health food. Oh, I have to eat granola. And it's so funny because it's this perspective of it's the same food, (laughs) but we both have totally different perspectives on it. And that is precisely why we can't expect the entire culture and community to come up with agreed upon rules of what's healthy and unhealthy, which is why we, it needs to be individualized for what feels good to you. How does your body respond to that? What does your body look like during pregnancy or during postpartum? 
and you don't compare it to anything. It's Absolutely. just your experience, right? Oh, it's like perception and reality, right? Totally. And if we can just know our truth more and stand in our truth and be less wavering about others' perceptions about food and body stuff by really just mm -hmm. connecting with our own body. I think that's where we can really find the truth. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. What is your experience? And you don't need to, you don't need to yeah. uh, like validate it. You don't need to compare it. You don't need to project what your experience mm -hmm. is onto someone else and say, well, in my experience, it was this, that, or the other thing, or I gained this much weight during pregnancy. It's completely different. And, you know, um, just to throw this in there as well is different bodies respond differently to pregnancy and different pregnancies as well. So mm -hmm. I think too, we tend to compare ourselves to ourselves as well. Mm. And I just want to put that out there that that is not necessarily the best way to go about how we feel in our own body because our bodies are different throughout our life cycle. We're not like, oh, we're adults. So we should always be looking like this or feeling like this or acting like this, or these foods should always act like this inside our body. It's constantly changing, which is why the word intuitive is the way that it is. Yes. Because it's, you need to be intuitive for good forever for the future because everything is constantly changing. And it's, and it's quite, um, it's just very, it's trying to simplify a process that's not simple and say we should be comparing our 32-year-old selves to our 22-year-old selves because we're an adult. <laughs> that's just not the way that it works. And we go through so many changes in life and environmental factors and all the things that it's to be expected that things will change and we can change with it. Yes. And having an understanding that our bodies will continue to change and grow as we age throughout pregnancy and breastfeeding and menopause and whatever. I had a client share with me once that there are like seasons of life mm -hmm. and just accepting that our bodies will go through their own seasons in a way that feels that, that the body feels is supportive to us. It'll respond in a way that it feels is right and supporting to us without us, you know, saying, okay, like, what, what can we expect next? You know, like totally. what's happening now? Like we don't really get like the 411. Our body is just going to do what it will in a way that it feels is supporting to us. And so having a, having a sense of um, acceptance, even through the change, I think is the hardest thing. And I think that's what I experienced during pregnancy too, is just like, there's so much change. How can we find some groundedness throughout this change? How can we find some acceptance in this? And now we were just talking before this again about coronavirus and world stuff happening. How can we again, find acceptance through all of this change? Um, and then after pregnancy as well, you know, like, having a new addition to the family, again, how can we find some place of acceptance despite change? I think that's a huge concept that I think a lot of us struggle with, but I think mm -hmm. that is the journey and where, like you said, Alyssa, like being intuitive helps us roll with the changes. Yeah. Because it's like, how can we constantly continue to honor our bodies despite this changing landscape? Yes. And it can change tomorrow. I mean, mm -hmm. to, to put no expectations on what it, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I, I rolled with the change. I'm here with the change. I'm down with it. Now it better not change again, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at that point. but it's like, no, this is ever evolving. It might change in four hours, might change in a day, might change in a month, might change in a year. Um, and to be ready for it in a way that feels um, honoring to this moment in this body right now, as you are versus where you want to be or where you think you should be or where you think your mom, you, where your mom thinks you should be or whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, really exactly rolling with it. And I know that's really hard. And especially, I'm not going to speak for you too, but as a type A person and typically dietitians are, yeah. you know, 
list builders yep. and predictors <laughs> and really want to know the numbers and all those things. Um, it's just not how our body works. And it, we actually see this reflected in the science, right? I mean, when we look at hormonal shifts and changes throughout the month, throughout the years, throughout the life cycle, it really is reflected. And of course, we don't have like constant blood work every day pulled to see where our hormones are at and how we can expect that to happen. But right. instead being in tune with maybe the different changes that are happening and are asking ourselves questions and being wide eyed about how much sleep we got and what our relationships are looking like and what kind of stress we have. I am it, the queen of thinking I'm not stressed when very stressful things are happening in my life. I mean, I just like a month or two ago was like, I don't understand why I can't sleep. I don't understand why I feel like this. I don't understand why I don't feel happy and like myself. And my mom was like, what are you talking about? We're in the middle of pandemic. You have two kids. You've quit your job. You're working too. You have two businesses of your own. Your husband's thinking about quitting his job so that he can start his own business. What are you talking about? You're not stressed. And I was like, oh, yep, you're right. <laughs> you just So it's almost it's, like your mom gave you permission to be stressed. Yes. Yes. What'd you say, Brick? And you're going to go live in a van. And I have plans so. to live in a van. This is true. <laughs> Everyone's going the van life. Yeah, man life, man. I'm telling you, you got to check it out. It's well, it is a little stressful, I will say, with two children. So we'll see yeah. how it goes. I reserve oh. the right to fail and and change. So just putting that out there, I'm fine with it. Um, but yeah, love so it. it's it's just interesting. No, I love that, Alicia. Yes, my mom gave me permission to feel stressed, and that is unfortunately where our culture has put us, where we feel like we have to defend it, or we can we yeah. can um, talk ourselves out of stress or change or anxieties when really it's, it's more about rolling with it and moving with your body and not against it. Right. Absolutely. Um, Alicia, I'd love for you to give maybe some tactical tips to our listeners. If mm -hmm. maybe they're going into a season of change, whether that's pregnancy or postpartum, maybe it's menopause, maybe it's just moving in with someone or moving across the country or maybe going back to work after, you know, coronavirus and lockdowns are starting to open up possibly, or anything that's changing in their life, or even if they can't tell what the change is, but they can feel a change. Mm -hmm. What are some tactical tips that you would give maybe your clients or anyone who's listening right now to start with um, early on in their intuitive eating journey? Mm -hmm. I think body attunement is like the magic. Yes. I think focusing on attuning to the body can be something so simple. It can be something practiced anywhere. And I think it is the most underrated, overlooked thing that helps us navigate food and navigate life. Like you're saying, big decisions, moving across yes. the country, getting married, other, you know, through things in life. And like, as I talked about today, you know, college and, you know, mm -hmm. pregnancy, these are things that attuning to the body, it, it helped me get through it and it emphasized a greater need for it for myself. And I know through my work with clients, this is the thing that they carry with them that they attempt anyway to practice on a regular basis. We're not perfect. This is not anything about perfectionism. This is the ability to let our bodies lead. And one way that I'd like to share with um, those listening today of how to attune to the body is to really, uh, check out from our outside experience and get into our inward experience of what's happening within the body and just do a little check-in. This can look different from, this can look different for everybody, um, but kind of turning into our inward experience um, can really help us self-assess and determine what our body needs. And so how I like to start this process is if you feel safe or comfortable, and maybe even right now as you're listening, maybe gently closing the eyes and taking a few deep breaths um, maybe going through a body scan, just like 
I just sometimes playfully like ask my toes, how are my toes today? Attuning to the toes. How are my knees and my hips? And it gets me to like connect with my body in a way that like is very overlooked. We take our bodies for granted. We do. They do so much for us. But tuning in can also help us not only like, hey, am I hungry? Am I full? Or am I satisfied? Or what do I need from like a nourishment perspective? Or it can also help us discover like, you know, am I, am I lonely? Am I looking for comfort right now? Am I really anxious? Can I allow myself? What would it feel like to allow myself permission to feel any anxiety or frustrations right now that I have? Where do I literally feel them in my body? You know, fear has a feeling and anxiety has a feeling in the body. And we bypass these things because we're too busy and we're moms and we got stuff going on. And I get that. And I'm living that right now. I'm, I'm so in that with you of noticing how frustrating that is of just like wanting to just crash through life and make things happen. I I am in this work because (laughs) that's how I live, you know, but I've realized through attuning to the body more and more, I can ask for what I need more. I can have a better relationship with my husband. I can serve my clients more and create more space for them. And I can live a fuller, more purposeful life. And it comes from just recognizing what the body needs. And that's what got me through pregnancy. That got, that's what got me through disordered eating. And I think that that's what makes us successful through rolling through all of these life changes and coming to a place of acceptance is knowing that, huh, no matter where I am, I can ask myself what I need and do what I can to get to that place. Oh, I'm wow. loving your head nods right yes. now. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I felt like looking in a mirror. I just want to crash through life and get it done. And oh my gosh, that is so accurate for me. And I just, um, oh wow, I just really felt that. And I think just your the way that you expressed it of a way of attuning with your body, yes, for nourishment reasons, absolutely. That's what we focus on majority of the time, but yeah. it really does roll over into other areas of your life. I mean, just being more decisive in everything because you're able to really feel what di- little decisions will do for you. Um, yeah. we, I've kind of joked about this before, but it, it really is true that I can be more decisive on where we're going to eat tonight because I can decide how I feel. And if I want to go get takeout, where I want to go get takeout from. And it's such a silly thing, but really I think a lot of people and women, especially I feel like in the media, it's shown this way that we can't decide those sorts of things. And it's always like joked about, but it's like, it really does roll over into different areas of our life to be more decisive and ask for what we need when we need it. And, um, in the way in which we need it, right. From relationships and from, um, all different activities or whatever we might be spending our time doing. And I just really love that you made that connection because it can be really, really powerful. So, Gosh, Alicia, thank you so much for coming on here and for sharing about your story and being vulnerable with us and letting our listeners in a little bit on your life and your journey to where you're at today, because that journey people need to see in all Mm -hmm. of us so Mm -hmm. that we know it's okay. Wherever we're at, it's okay. Other people have been there too. and, um, And there's hope and there's a way to get to a better place where you don't feel controlled by food and you don't control, feel mm-hmm. controlled by your thoughts. Um, and I just love that. So thank you so much for coming on. We so appreciate and love chatting with you as always. And I would love for you to let our listeners know a where to find you and also how they can work with you if they've fallen in love with you during this episode, as I'm oh. sure that they have. <laughs> oh, I've fallen in love with both of you and all of the listeners already. Oh, what so a great fun. community that you have here. I just... 
So appreciate being part. Yes. So I, as you as you reflected that back, I found myself, you know, like that kind of like just before the tears come kind of feeling. I was like, uh-huh. oh, that's truth, right? Like that's what truth feels like. Yeah. Um, just doing some body attunement, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> so yes, you can hop over to my Instagram, aliciabrown.rdn is where you can find me on Instagram. I'm always hanging out there. Um, and yes, one-on-one clients can work with me through the three-month intuitive eating intensive that I have. Um, and I am also available on my website, nutritionwithalicia.com. And then lastly, my podcast, The Kitchen Table with Alicia Brown. Perfect. Yay. Thank you so much, Alicia. That was so fun. Yeah. Thank you thank both you very so much. much. It's a pleasure hanging out with you here. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yes. Thanks for touching on this topic. I just feel like it's so necessary and it can be so triggering when our bodies change so quickly in such mm-hmm. a short amount of time. And so I'm glad that we got you on um, as a new mama. So we could talk about postpartum and body changes and how to check in with our bodies. And so thank you so much for spending the time with us. We can't wait to have you on again. Yeah. Much love. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next Tuesday. See you later.